welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you here and listening and downloading. I thank you so much. And I know that I said in the last podcast that came out on Monday with Mike Matlack, who uh, we talked all about the PT pack and how you can get involved. If you didn't listen to that, listen to it. But I know I said in the intro to that, that all the podcasts this month were going to be podcasts that were done at CSM. Well, I guess I kind of lied because this one I did not do at CSM, but I was supposed to. I was supposed to meet with my guest today at CSM and literally just ran out of time because CSM is crazy. But if you are a physical therapy or a physical therapy assistant student and you are prepping for the NPTE, then this is the episode for you. So in this episode, I was so happy to speak with Mie Fonesca. She is a physical therapist and is the founder and CEO of Therapy Exam Prep, provider of online MPTE and NPTAE exam prep courses, focusing on clinical thinking, test-taking strategies, and addressing factors on confidence, fear, and test anxiety. She has spoken at student conclaves about exam preparation from a clinical thinking and practical approach. She graduated from the University of Southern California with her class being ranked number one for PT programs in U.S. News for the first time. When preparing for her own board exam, she felt there had to be a better way to prepare than just reading a study guide book as there were no online prep courses at that time. The idea of therapy exam prep came about after treating in private orthopedic practice for years and recognizing how the exam had transitioned into being more integrated and clinical. She started the first online exam prep course for PTs and PTAs preparing for their own exam. She brings the clinical examples into studying and treating the exam holistically by easing fear, stress, and feelings of being overwhelmed. With many practical and powerful test-taking strategies, as well as receiving training, by the FSBPT on writing NPTE format style questions, Mia has been able to uh, help thousands of candidates be successful. And she has worked with recruiting agencies, PT, PTA programs as curriculum consultant, and also written exam prep articles in publications and blogs. So wait until you hear her story of her test taking experience. And then you'll understand why she realized there had to be a better way. And I mean, I have not taken that test in a very, very long time. But we talk about how every time you, you know, us older PT say, oh, thank God I don't have to take that again. And we talk about that in here. So what else do we discuss? We discuss her top three most important components for success. We talk about if taking practice exams after practice exam is the best strategy for preparation, why you need to think clinically and treat exam questions as a mini eval, 
how mindset can be the deciding factor to pass the NPTE. And, and we talk really, she gives some great examples of how to look at the test questions, how to approach the test. And it's if you're a student, then I really hope you get a lot out of this uh, episode because I know I did, and I wish that I had heard this before I took my exam many, many years ago. And we also uh, set out a little challenge for all of those students out there to think about goal setting. And we use goal setting um, in order to pass the exam. So that's kind of a little later on in the, in the interview toward the end. But I just want to thank Mia so much for coming on. Listen, the girl knows what's up. And I'm so thankful to have her on. And, and also, don't forget to check out her uh, company, which is Therapy Exam Prep. You know, I love to represent uh, strong female entrepreneurs, and she is no exception. So everyone, thanks so much for listening, and I hope you get a lot out of this episode. Hey, Mia, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I'm happy to have you. Thanks, Karen. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Well, listen, anytime we can have people on who are doing great things to help physical therapy students, and I, I'm excited to, to talk about it. So before we get into the meat of the interview, I would love for you to tell the listeners about your journey and kind of why you ended up helping students with the MPTE. Which, you know, we sort of spoke before. It wasn't even called the MPTE when I took it. That's how long ago I've taken these exams. But what, so from graduating from PT school and now here you are, give us a little insight as to why you're doing what you're doing. Well, it mainly starts back when I was actually studying for my own board exam. So back then, you know, in 2004 or so, um, all we had was really the O'Sullivan study guide. And... You know, uh, it's a good resource, but honestly, it's kind of dry. And so I kept thinking there has to be a better way in order to prepare. Now, when you think about, you know, preparing for this exam, right, I was an okay student. I was good as a clinician, you know, and I liked helping people. And my clinical thought process was there. Um, But I wasn't a great test taker. So, you know, average student, good clinician, but, you know, not a great test taker. So with that part of it, you know, I would study. And I kind of would be like, well, um, there wasn't a lot of visuals back there. And I was like, there has to be, you know, I'm visual and kinesthetic. I need hands-on, I need to be able to manipulate, I need to be able to understand it in order to retain it. And just reading that information, uh, it's, you know, not the most exciting thing. Studying for this exam is not sexy. No, uh, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, as you know. So um, as I was growing about that, you know, back then we could choose our own testing dates. So, you know, scheduled it and, you know, took it. And of course, snail mail back then, you know, we had to wait at least 30 days to get that result. I know. So after, you know, getting that, um, 
you know, went and did stuff and interviewed and, you know, had to wait. And I was pretty excited as far as like, well, I got to interview at this one particular clinic um, because I like orthopedics. And so, you know, our sports kind of facility in Beverly Hills, penthouse, and, you know, the person that I interviewed with, you know, I got along with and I was kind of like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and then um, I got the result and I actually got a, a 599. So I missed the exam by one point. Oh. You know, you know, heartbreak, you know, whatever. And so I did the, okay, I'll just schedule again in the next 30 days and take it again. And I went through the whole process of like studying and then being able to um, do things. And the score came back and it was 598. So I missed it again. No, by two points. So then I was like, okay, well, all I have to do is brush up a little bit more, study a little bit harder, you know, kind of more of academically. And because I, I knew I knew my stuff. It just wasn't coming out on the exam. So went and did the third time, right? But I went down. My score went down some more, right? So I was just like, okay, what is the connection between what I'm doing and why am I such a horrible test taker, right? Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking as far as like, well, okay, let me go volunteer. Let me sit in to the clinic, you know, the um, student clinic and kind of, Reevaluate as far as like, okay, is my thought process still there? And I started connecting things as far as like, I'm viewing the exam too academic and not like a practicing clinician, right? And I'll, you know, can get into it a little bit later, but patients aren't textbooks and they're not study guides either, right? And it's not clear cut. And so when I made start making the connection and then I started becoming a better test taker, how I approached the question, which is more about like practicing kind of perfecting your evaluation techniques, you know, when you do an eval, when you're initially in a student, it takes so long. Mm-hmm. And then as you continue to do it and refine it and you do shortcuts and you figure things out, it then it becomes uh, smoother, faster, quicker, you pick up on um, clues. And so I noticed patterns in the questions and I noticed patterns in the answers, how things were put together. And when being able to read a question, you know, there's the lengthy questions and the short questions. And it's more about being able to, it's almost like um, mystery, right? Kind of picking up those clues. It's finding that mining a magnifying glass and picking up a keyword that would actually guide me to the answer. And so with that one, I was just like, well, how come nobody's really teaching kind of test taking? And, you know, patients, you know, are not just a condition. So if you think of the exam of just a condition, you're missing other aspects to actually help yourself prepare for the exam. Because, um, you know, this exam is, if you think about it, more of a marathon, right? It's not a sprint race. It takes mental endurance and physical endurance in order to do that, you know, to last 
the four or five hour exam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a long time. Now, how many, I don't remember because I took it like back in the dark ages, but how many questions are on the exam? So for the PT exam, there's 250 questions okay. and 50 questions are ex- experimental. For the PTA exam, there's a, um, 200 questions, but 150 are scored. Okay. Okay. Good to know. All right. So, so you took the test a couple of times. You just weren't quite getting it. And then you made some connections as to how to become a better test taker. Right. And and what were the what was sort of that aha moment of like oh oh now I get it okay now I'm ready for this. So part of it was treating it like a game, like I said I mentioned earlier about you know relating things to the clinic and relating things kind of sports wise, right? So it's not so much how many times I was knocked down, it's more of you know what I can do, you know, getting picked up, right? So and more of of realizing that. Okay, well, it's pretty easy to master this exam by picking it apart by the question. And if you think of the question as a patient, then it's a lot easier to focus on, quote unquote, what the problem of this patient is, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than mm-hmm. facing it as like this dreaded question, you know, where it's, it's not like the GRE or a standardized exam because it's a little bit more integrated, right? You know, these questions are entry level, you know, to test you. However, you know, it pulls a little muscular, pulls a little neural, pulls a little cardio palm. You know, it is kind of like um, you're not just dealing with one particular aspect. You have to take everything that you know from school mm-hmm. and put it together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's one of the rare cases where we go when we actually treat. It's like, oh, my goodness, that was so simple. It's just an ankle sprain or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's kind of you expect when you're practicing, you know, it's a little bit more complicated. But when we're actually taking tests, we actually think things are supposed to be a lot simpler than it uh, kind of comes out to be on the actual test. And so how did you then, so I'm assuming the next time you took the MPTE or the test, the boards, that you passed because you were using a new system, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) how did you then go from, well, this worked for me, now I want to bring this to a wider audience to help more students? So... As I was doing that, after I had passed and I started helping others that didn't pass, and then I noticed like there wasn't much of a support system uh, or more of how to approach the questions kind of in a proper way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and realizing, you know, how do you relate it kind of clinically? And so that was kind of more whole take with therapy exam prep as far as like, you know, here are these three components. You master these, then you have, you know, a pretty good chance of passing the board exam with confidence. And that was one of the things when going in my last time preparing for the exam was that, you know, um, back then the tests were like, if you remember, like, hey, if you got the ortho test, you know, it was a lot of ortho, 
it was a lot of neural. Uh-huh. It was like a lot of cardiopalm emphasis, right? And so you would hope that like, oh man, I hope I got like just an ortho one, right? You know, because I hated cardiopalm, I hated neural, I hated wounds, I hated Jerry, I hated Pete, right? So that kind of screwed me, right? <laughs> so, but the last time it would be kind of like, oh, I don't really care. Go ahead, give me all the neural pa- you know, patients that you want. Give me all this. I could be able to figure everything out. And as I would tell, you know, the um, participants in my course, it's kind of like, you can give me any question mm-hmm. and I will be able to figure out whether or not I have studied or not. I should be able to pick out enough of the keywords because in the clinic, you're not going to know everything. Of and you have not. to, right. And you have to grasp onto one particular thing to kind of help that patient. Because when you're treating that patient, you can't be like, oh, my God, you know. Um, of course, I don't yeah. Know, I don't know what to do with you. So you have to pick something and work on it, and then you study afterwards. Well, what can I do better? Uh, yeah, after. yeah, for sure. So now you had mentioned in there that there are sort of three pieces or three steps uh, that you kind of use to successfully take or to successfully pass the MPTE. So can you talk about those three important pieces for success? So the three areas that, you know, I related to success was more, one, thinking clinically. So transitioning of thinking as a student into more of a practicing clinician. So it's more about integrating the knowledge gained from the various different courses that you received and being able to see the whole picture, even when pieces are missing, mm-hmm. you know, um, mastering test taking. So it's similar to getting better on your evaluations. Right? There are patterns both in the how questions are presented and kind of how the answers are. And it's being able to... Um, understand and realize you are able to pick up clues in order to, quote, you know, um, beat this actual exam with the knowledge and information that you have gained from your classes without being, like, tied down to everything. And can, can you give an example of what, like, an example of a question? So, so mastering test-taking... So can so, you give an example of a question and maybe how you might pull out those keywords or what what does that look like? So mastering testing, so one of the um, uh, culprits in take testing is a lot of candidates or students start from the very beginning of the question. Mm-hmm. And the flaw with that is that there tends to be a lot of over-analysis on it. You know, uh, we don't take that question as face value. So rather than starting from the beginning, you know, I've been trained by the federal state boards on writing the questions. And so what we usually end up doing is we start with the last question, the last sentence, which is called the stem. And if you think about it as far as like kind of more of the bottom line, getting to the bottom line, if you think of it as the questions as more of a reading comprehension in order to answer the question, you go to what you need to answer first, and mm-hmm. then you go back, right? But what candidates tend to do is they start from the beginning and then they go off. Uh, they either may rush 
often may miss keywords or they add something. And so it's completely different than what the actual question is asking. Got Does it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so correct me if I'm wrong. So what I think you're saying is that during the test, they kind of give you a scenario. And then you go sort of to that last question or that last sentence of that scenario, which is called the STEM, to kind of take a look at that first, and that's most likely the question, and then go back and read whatever is before it so that you don't inject your own biases into something without even reading the question first. Right. Got it. Okay. All right. So the three areas we have, think clinically, not like a student. Um, master the test taking by, I think that's a great example you just gave, sort of starting from the end and working backwards. So what is the other area um, that you need to master for success? Uh, it's more about controlling kind of holistically. And that component I break down into more of like your mindset, uh, your physical uh, endurance, and then as far as how well you handle stress. Right. So a lot of times mindset is key. And even when you when you think about like the state boards or boards, right, the automatic, it's almost like an adverse reaction of like, oh, my God. You know, yeah, I know. We were talking beforehand. I'm like, I don't even want to talk, talk about to it. Talk to me about it. I don't want to see it. You know, I don't want to listen to it. You know, as I mentioned, it's kind of like this big elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. You have to address it at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Right. But that mind, you know, is very powerful. So you can make or break this exam just with your mind, right? If you think about, you know, like you can make this exam harder than it really needs to be. And a lot of students do that, right? It really isn't all that hard. And probably a lot of people will get mad at me for saying something like that. But, you know, it they make you know, this little mole into this huge mountain, Mm -hmm. right? It's all, you know, everything is possible, but it's more about, you know, can you do it or can you not do it? And and a lot of times, you know, that's when I play that game. It's, are you going to beat the NPT or are you going to allow that exam to beat you? And so what advice would you give to someone um, to be able to kind of shift that mindset and to be able to... Um, because to be able to go in with a better mindset taking the test, because it's like part of me thinks, well, I don't want to go in and be overly confident, like I got this, no problem, because then I feel like, am I jinxing myself? Do I not have this? And then I feel like maybe you can unravel as the test goes on. So what advice do you give to students to be able to control that mindset um, for success? Well, part of it is like the preparation, right? So a lot of it is how I mentioned about viewing the questions as a patient, right? So that whole, you know, are you going to beat it or not? It's more about how you're able to control what you know, right? Mm -hmm. You never, you know, you can't control what kind of patients are going to get presented to you, even in the clinic, Mm -hmm. right? And... And it's more about like, okay, what can you gather from that? And being able to go, okay, yes, I may not know everything, but I am able to pick out this particular thing and I can eliminate from this. And I can be able to do this or I can do this, right? And then not dwell upon like that particular one. 
right? If you think about like when you're treating patients, if you have a bad apple in the very beginning of your, the morning, it can kind of ruin your day, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But if you carry that negative feeling kind of towards the next patient or the next patient to kind of like, what's wrong with her? The patient thinks that. Right. right. The yeah. patient would be like, what's wrong with her? And you can't do that, right? So as each new question is presented, you have to let go of that last patient. Got it. Got right? it. So, so it's kind of like being in the moment with each question. Right. So you don't want to be dwelling on a past question because then that can screw up the next question and the next question right. and the next question. Right. So you want to kind of right. be in the moment for each question. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So do you suggest people, I mean, take a little, like a couple of breaths in between questions to kind of ground yourself and refocus and then move on? Or is that inefficient use of time? No, if you, um, and of course we have more of an exam process of that, you should be able to take as many breaks as possible mm-hmm. or as needed to kind of help, you know, reset yourself for the next patient. Now, you know, when there's timing as an issue, you want to be able to practice kind of the test taking as far as like being able to answer a question within the allotted time. Mm-hmm. You have 72 seconds to answer a question, 60 seconds if you have a break. But if you do it systematically and are able to answer the question, you should be able to have like 30 to 45 seconds where you answer it. So you have 5, 10, 15 seconds to kind of breathe and kind of... Right. Why does breathe. that not sound like a lot of time? 30 seconds, holy cow. Well, when I show someone how I actually approach a question, I do it in 8 to 10, max right? 15 seconds. Yeah. So there's a lot of time. It's usually a struggle for me to, to you know, lengthen the amount of time I actually right. take on on these questions because it becomes where, you know, um, where I was going and testing my practice exam simulation. I would actually go and lie down for like an hour and come back and I would still have like two hours left. What? So, All right. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, and, and – and again, that that kind of comes from these things that we just mentioned. So thinking clinically, mastering the test, looking at that, looking at the question before you read the whole scenario, kind of taking out that last exercise, and then and then being in the right mindset to be present from question to question. So I think those are all really great tips for people looking to have success with the MPTE. Now, I want to ask, because we're kind of skirting around this issue a little bit, so I'm going to ask a question that from Colin Widhu from the uh, DPT student group page on Facebook. So he says, I'm curious about methods of strictly taking randomized online practice exams repeatedly versus studying material specifically and then taking only a few practice exams. Which is best? Is there research on that, and which is best? Um, Well, as far as research, I don't know which one is best. However, the answer to that one is more a combination of those two. Mm -hmm. It's not purely just taking practice exams after practice exams. If you think about it in sports, if I relate it to like a race car, mm-hmm. 
it's almost like, okay, I could take a day and I could just do laps and laps and laps. However, right, I don't know whether or not I'm getting better or not for, you know, with, without using some sort of data, right? So part of me is like, you know, I don't want to waste my time, you know, just taking practice exams, but it's not giving me all the directions I need, right? Because a lot of the practice exams that are out there are not standardized and they're a little bit more academic. And so you, although it's good to practice as far as the mental and physical, I find that a lot of times it's not um, taken as serious as it should be. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. So when you go with, okay, let me go with specific material, and then take a practice exam to see how well I did, right? Um, that's good, but I would just insert a baseline practice exam prior to doing the specific study. Got it. That makes sense. So do a baseline practice exam first, specifically study, take another practice exam, and that way you can kind of see if what you're spending your time on is worth spending your time on. Right. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit more uh, specific training as far as that. Because in general, when you think about these exams, and even for the actual board exam, you can't be tested on everything. So the whole goal is that you're going to be focusing more on the common conditions that are going to be presented to you rather than, you know, a lot of, um, I would say non-essential stuff. There's a lot of fluff in like the study guides and textbook stuff. And that's where I would say like quality over quantity. Taking the practice exams kind of on the interval timeline every two to three weeks mm-hmm. helps to still maintain your mental and physical endurance, right? Because okay. you have to practice that. Mm-hmm. Um uh, not a lot of practice ex- exams actually have the full 250 questions. So, you know, there's a lot of practice exams that um, are out there, um, you know, both in books and study guides and online, but it's mainly focusing on 200 questions mm-hmm. for the PT or 150 for like the PTA. So it's actually shortchanging you those 50 extra questions and those 50 extra questions on the actual exam, right? Takes a toll on you mentally and sure. physically sure. if you're not prepared for it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there are, a few out there, you know, Federal State Board has the P, the retired form and the practice form. And then the, the one that I had, um, the practice exam simulation, you know, those are the 250 questions mm-hmm. um, out there for practice. So, so it, do, it sounds like it's not one or the other, but rather a healthy combination. And if you just take practice exams, the... Um, downfall of that is kind of more the thinking of the recall and memorization and it doesn't apply to these clinically based scenarios here where it requires a little bit more thinking on a higher level Mm -hmm. as far as like you know um, charts and 
pictures are great. However, you know, the questions are not going to ask you straight off of like, say, the range of motion, Mm -hmm. strictly of like, what is this? It's going to be described and it's for you to be able to be able to pick that up and understand, oh, they're describing this flexion or, you know, overhead movement or Mm -hmm. the you know, and it's relating to it clinically. And that's the kind of more of thinking more as a practitioner. Right. So, so even when you're taking these practice tests, it's not like you're taking them to memorize answers. Right. You're taking them to become a better test taker, to use some of the methods that you described earlier and work, like you said, on your mental and physical endurance and to have an idea of how questions are structured so that when you go into the exam, you're not like, whoa, I don't understand how this this sentence is put together or this clinical presentation is put together. But instead, you're you're prepared for, I guess, anything. Right. Kind of like when you're in the clinic. You never know what you're going to get, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just being able to take what you know and being able to apply you know, there are no trick questions on this exam. What do you mean there's no trick questions? It's always a <laughs> trick question. No, th- these questions uh-huh. actually feel, you know, kind of patient-based, right? Uh-huh. You know, when we write these questions, they're not out of out of a textbook. We don't go and look at a textbook and be like, oh, hey, this is going to be good to, like, test, like, the student's knowledge. No, we write them in such a way so that, hey, you know, we're testing your knowledge based on what we've seen. So, you know, it's not so much of we're tricking you. It's more of, hey, this is what you'll see in real life. Right, right. So trying to make them as clinically oriented as possible. And I think that's why the advice you gave in the beginning of take off that student hat, that sort of memorization type of a, of a thought process and put on your clinical hat, put on your clinician hat. And, and be ready for it because that's what these questions are structured as, which makes sense right. because you're not taking the exam to become a student. You're taking the exam to become a clinician. Pretty much, you know, and, you know, a lot of times what trips, you know, students and candidates out is like the length of a question, right? So, you know, there's those what I would call like the chatty, you know, questions and, you know, the concise patient. And so if you think of the chatty ones, you know, you think of like the old grandma who wants to tell you everything about her life and daughter's life or kid's life and neighbor's life and that one. And essentially you have to cut through this fluff in order to get to the bottom line, right? You kind of, we have to redirect kind of like, okay, why are you here? What can I do to help you with, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you think about like, you know, what can I do to help you? And you go backwards in order to do that, Mm -hmm. you know, helps. Where the short, concise questions, I think of, you know, more of the military guys where they would be upfront and direct with me. Like, why am I here? What am I doing? Right. And so they kind of tell you, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. And I like those questions. Right. It's kind of like straight to the point. Mm -hmm. It's like, thank you. Now I don't have to like pull out you know, pull teeth trying to get like something to kind of work with. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so on the MPTE, you have these longer sort of chatty questions and you have these short direct questions. So you just have to be prepared for both. And the longer 
the question, you may have to sift through some of that extra chatter in order to get to, you know, you really want to focus on, well, what is the question, not focus on all the chatter. Right. Yeah. So, it's, you know, it's kind of more of a systematic approach, you know, and I do that, you know, in my courses and stuff. It's kind of like, you know, reading that question properly so that, you know, you get through that bottom line first and mm -hmm. then you go and you figure out, okay, what are the important keywords so that I can glean on to be able to answer? And then when I get to the answer, right, because a lot of times the students get stuck, you know, on two. Go, oh, you know, I get down to the two, mm -hmm. and then I choose the wrong one. Right. Yep, all the time. You know, it's like, oh, you know. So, it, you know, it goes back to a little bit of, the true false as far as like, you know, does this answer answer what this problem solves? And if the answer is false, then you mark it wrong, you know, you strike it out and you move on. Mm -hmm. Right. But as soon as you get to that true statement, like, you know, I tell people, then you stop and you move on. Mm -hmm. You go on to the next question. So you, you try not to second it. try not to second guess yourself and third guess. So I'm a second, third, fourth guesser. That's me. I'll be so like, the, this is right. And then I'll go through, I'm like, is it? Is it not? Could it be this? Could it? And then I overanalyze a million times. I'm sure that's a common pitfall with a lot of students. But when you do that, right, then you could see, like, you would be spending a lot of time on, I know. on that, that question. So by the end, then you're rushing. And when you're rushing at the end of the test, then you're, you know, missing, you know, important keywords and you go, oh, oh my goodness, one question, two questions, three questions, you know, then it just kind of, it's a negative cycle that goes down. Right. right? And then you kind of lose the mindset and then you start rushing and then you stress out and then your mindset's and then your gone focus and is then not your there. focus is not there and then you it, answer questions wrong and then you don't pass the test. But that's kind of the over analysis and it's just like, yeah. okay, time out, stop, you know, you just want to take a deep breath, like take it easy, you can handle it, what do you know, right? It's just like when you start dwelling on that, you know, that's that psychological component as far as like now the the exam is beating you. It's getting into your mind, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if you start getting into that mindset, you just kind of take a second. What do you suggest people to do if they start getting into what I just said? All of a sudden you're like catastrophizing your entire life off based off one question. <laughs> well, it's, it's more of, okay, you know. What, what do I know? It's just grounding yourself a little bit more. Mm -hmm. of like, okay, if I need to close my eyes, I'll close my eyes. You know, think of something that will bring me back to kind of be like, okay, I know I can do this, right? You know, the whole positive self-talk as mm -hmm. far as like, okay, I got this. I can handle it. I can do it. It's, you know, when you refer back to sports, you want to get into the, that zone. Mm-hmm as quickly as possible. And if you get off that, you want to figure out how to get back on. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I played sports my whole life, and I, I was a softball pitcher for many years, and there are times where you cannot throw a strike. And it's super annoying, right? And so I know what I used to do is I would if I threw a couple balls in a row, I would just get it. I would sort of walk around the mound for a second, take a couple deep breaths. I would go through in my head the motion of the pitch. I'd, I would visualize a strike, 
And then would I throw a strike every time? No, but it calmed me down enough that I was able to get back into a groove. So I feel like you could do that with the test as well. Right. And visualizing is part of the key to success, right? It's not just going through. It's a whole mental game as mm-hmm. far as like that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, to think of to get to the end is to plan, right? And it's a series of assessing, studying, planning, and reassessing. And it's recognizing what you do right and where you can improve on. But, you know, it is being able to handle what is right in front of you, right? It's not so much of the end destination, right? Mm-hmm. Because the end is really just the beginning in the profession, right? Learning right. should never stop. Of course. Right? But being able to help realize if you think of like the athletes right into olympics and stuff like that they constantly visualize you know what that success feeling is like Mm -hmm. you know and they practice and they you know day in day out repetition as far as that but they take things seriously right when they don't take things seriously you know then you know they get hurt or you know whatever they need to take it you know a day to like rest or something So it sounds like even when you're taking these practice tests to make sure that you're taking them seriously and while you're taking these practice exams, visualize your success at the end of that exam because I I feel like if you practice something that way that when game time comes, test time comes, you're more likely to do that in in that more high stress situation. Right. And that's where uh, I did that with the practice exam simulation to mimic it as close as possible to the real exam, the look and feel to give that actual practice without having to experience it on that actual day. So you have that, right? Right. You've already done it. You've done it. You've done that part so that, you know, it's not a surprise, right? You right. know, and a lot of times that what trips people up is the unexpected thing. Oh, my goodness, I didn't know that this was going to happen. Or mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't, you know, we talked about, like, just a practice exam. But there's, like, all this other stuff out there. There's, there's the external factors. There's the internal factors, right? And, you know, when you think of, you know, the practice, it also comes goes with how you study as well. And so when you think about how you're studying, right, a lot of times students are kind of like, oh my goodness, you know, that whole work-life balance is usually thrown off. Mm-hmm. You know, like I hear like people go, oh, you need to study 50 to 60 hours. And I'm kind of like, you know, we don't even work 50 to 60 right. hours in the right. clinic, you know, so why are you kind of doing something like that, right? And then there's others like, oh, I just stayed on the weekend. Well, that's probably unrealistic as well either. Yeah. Right? If yeah. this is your if this is your career, you kind of want to put time into it, right? You know, um, and it goes to more of not procrastinating, but kind of taking each day. What can you learn a little bit each day in order to make yourself better so that when you actually take the exam and practice, it's not like a whole cram fest. Right, of course. Yeah, it sounds like, and I use this because this is what I do professionally is every day I'll sort of write down three things that I want to get done that day. So it kind of reminds me like maybe it's a good idea for a student to write down three learning goals for that day. So you're studying for the exam. What are three things that you can definitely do within that day 
to help you prepare for that exam. Write it down, and then at the end of the day, just check it off your list. You know, and it doesn't mean that you're taking a practice exam every day. No. That's insane. But can you write three goals every day that will get you closer to passing that exam? So when you think of something like that, usually what I say is, you know, focus on three particular topics, Mm -hmm. right? But if you're talking about goals as far as that, well, one of the goals should be, you know, what you can focus on content-wise. The other aspect would be like, well, what can you do to improve your test-taking technique? Mm -hmm. Whether it's reading the question, how you answer it, your timing on it, your fatigue, you know, how you're maintaining your focus on it. And then the other aspect of a goal would be it goes back to like my whole three things of success, right? Mm -hmm. You know, what can you address mentally or holistically so that you are the best that you can on the actual game day or on the actual exam day. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I say to all of you students who are getting and preparing for the MPTE is focus on three goals or topics, one being content, two being test-taking technique, and three being your mental and emotional and holistic self. So write a goal for each of those every day And I really think that will give you a head start on uh, studying for the exam, being or preparing for the exam, and and ultimately finding success. So now we're sort of running out on a little bit of time here. But uh, last question before we talk about how people can get in touch with you, and that's so you graduated in two thousand and four. It is now nineteen nineteen. What am I crazy? It's now two thousand seventeen. We're going back in time. It's now two thousand seventeen. So, knowing what you know now, what would you tell your new grad self back in two thousand and two? What advice would you give? Well, the first thing I would tell myself is to kind of um, relax, take it easy, because I was pretty stressful back then. Uh-huh. So, being stressed out doesn't help, you know, anything. So, kind of enjoy life, you know. Go with the moment, you know, focus on the now. And then when you actually prepare for the exam is to think more kind of as a practicing clinician rather than going at it like the GRE. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I think a lot of students are going to get a lot of value from everything that you said. So now if they have more questions for you, where can they find you? Well, they can... um, contact me at therapyexamprep.com uh, that's where I actually focus on the exam preparation online um, if they want to get in contact with me directly they can email me at mia at therapyexamprep.com great well I have to tell you this was great I think you gave so many good tips for taking and having success with the MPTE so I thank you so much for coming on uh, this evening so thank you so much Thank you, Karen. Yeah, you're welcome. And to all of you guys out there listening, to all you students out there listening who are getting ready to take the MPTE at some point in the future, good luck to you. And if you want to get all of the information that we spoke about with all the links and everything, you can head over to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. Click on the show notes and all the links will be there for you. You can just click on through. So thank you all for listening today, and I hope you have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.